Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like that Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Kent is back on the microphone here for the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Today I am joined by the two Mats, Okada and Betts, and unfortunately we are without Jen this week, but but she's doing something that's pretty fun. She's out at the beach this whole week, so, you know, she might be jealous of us doing the pod, but I think we're more jealous of her. I don't, what do you guys think? I mean, it's kind of hard for me to be jealous of people at the beach because I live in Orange County and I can drive there about oh, five stop. minutes. I live in Orange County and <laughs> it's perfect. If I know Jen like I think I do, she's got her feet kicked up right now. She's probably chilling on the beach with a beer in her hand. So, yeah, I'm jealous of you, Jen. Uh, we miss you. Come back. Yeah, last week they, they held up the show pretty well. They went over our top. 10 consensus wide receivers. Uh, the week before that, we did running backs as a group of four. And now today with us three, we're going to be going over our consensus top ranked quarterbacks. So we're going to get through all those and tell you who we like high and early in the draft, or maybe not so early, kind of depending on how you draft. But we'll, we'll probably go over that a little bit as we, we roll through some of these top ranked quarterbacks and let you know how we feel about them. So before we get going on that, Let's go ahead and jump over to the news. I got great news, guys. All right, so a couple of big pieces of news here today. We did have Josh Gordon officially activated to the Browns roster following mm. his stint uh, at a personally uh, introduced rehab uh, trip. So he's back on the roster. He's official. Now, Apparently, Hugh Jackson, being the wonderful head coach that he is, has already come out and said that he's not starting week one, but he will play. So he's not an official starter on snap number one, but he's playing in that game. You'd be dumb to not play him. But Josh Gordon, back in the mix. How you feeling, guys? You like that or what? I think snap number one is probably going to be the operative term there. Literally, he'll he'll sit the first snap as like a... If you miss most of training camp, you don't get to be a starter team. Learn. And then he'll be on the field. <laughs> yeah, I think this is all part of the plan for, for Josh Gordon. Uh, like you mentioned, Okada, it's a formality at this point. I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe sit at most the first series, but he'll be out there for the majority game of the game. Excuse me. So, you know, from that standpoint, I'm going to treat it just as if he's starting uh, regardless. Yeah, I saw someone saying that he should get the Antonio Callaway treatment now and just be forced to play every single snap for the entire game. Uh, I think I'm I would enjoy that. that very much as yep. someone who owns him in a couple of spots. But excited to see him get back and, and start a regular season from the get-go. I mean, he's been practicing with and without the team kind of on and off, but he finally gets to have a chance at a 16-game season, something that he's not done since... Uh, 2013 is it now? I mean, even then he didn't last play 16. 16. Was he that, missed a couple that was that less? Year. It was less, right? I don't so, think he's ever done it. Yeah, he's paving new paths here at I believe 28 years of age. So, um, yeah, and and real quick, Kent, before we move on, I just want to kind of touch on his hamstring, ah. kind of uh, not concern, but uh, he's dealing with some tightness right now in the hamstring with his return to playing 
in practices. Um, and it's hard to replicate some of the rigors of practice on your own uh, when you're training. Sure, you can try, but it's tough to do. Uh, and so I think that some of the tightness that he's dealing with that hamstring is probably not really cause for concern for an injury. I think it's more or less kind of him getting acclimated back to, to football shape and conditioning. But I would kind of compare it to uh, the Saquon Barkley level of concern where no one's really concerned about it. I think that the Browns are going to be really conservative with him over the next you know, two weeks until week one starts just to avoid any setbacks before he gets on the field for week one. So just to kind of put that out there on everyone's radar that uh, he is dealing with that, but it, it all looks good for week one. Actually, I made a mistake. He's not 28. He's 27 years old. But I did want to say I totally feel the tight hamstrings after getting back into exercise. <laughs> totally understandable at this age. So it's all good. <laughs> he might have taken a page out of yeah. uh, Bob Wiley's book with the not stretching thing, the offensive oh line gosh. coach. Yeah. If if oh, anyone's boy. seen Hard Knocks, that guy is awesome. Yeah, I can't believe that there is an NFL coach that does not believe in stretching. Like, he doesn't even think it matters at all. And looking at his physique, it you know, I don't think I'd take <laughs> recommendations for, you know, physical exercise of any kind, but to each their own, I guess. I don't know. Have you guys seen the, the gif of going course. around on Twitter <laughs> of him laughing and saying the gut with his gut oh that just God. like flexes every time? Unbelievable. If you haven't, look it up. It is phenomenal. Hard Knocks. Actually, Hard Knocks is uh, on tonight, so I'm excited to watch the next episode of that and see the return of Josh Gordon and what they're going to do with that. But let's go on to the next little bit of news here. Uh, OBJ, that is, of course, Odell Beckham Jr., recently got a five-year, $95 million contract with $65 million guaranteed at signing. And this is the largest guarantee for a wide receiver ever. That's some buco bucks. I think, I think that he's going to be a giant for a while, probably until he retires. If I'm being honest, I don't see him leaving. Uh, if they made it through this series of contract talks, I, I don't think anything after this is going to hold him up too much. Yeah, I mean, it it was probably a lock to say that he was their best player for the past several years. It, now there's obviously Saquon Barkley in the mix, so there may be some competition for that. But with the two mm. of those guys locked down for years, that that is a tasty duo. So they just need to find out what they're going to do at quarterback and they might have a great offense for quite a long time. Well, the nice thing is, too, about them locking up those two players or potentially locking up Barkley long-term um, is that they can maximize the deal that they're probably going to give a rookie either next year or the year after and still be in a position to compete for a while with that quarterback on a rookie deal and those two playmakers making a lot of money. Man, how much was it? 65 mil? 65 guaranteed. Yeah, that's it's insane. Guaranteed. I yeah. think over the Good first Lord. it said over the first 3 years he's averaging just over 20 million or something like that. Just insane yeah. numbers, but definitely like a quarterback. Definitely deserved. I mean, the dude is definitely a generational talent. I mean, there's no there's no questioning that at this point. When he's on the field, he's he's catching a lot of balls and he's getting a lot of touchdowns. Uh I believe he is in the elite category of all time in touchdowns in the first couple seasons in the NFL. I'd have to go double check that, but I, I would bet good money on it right right now. So anyway, on to the next little bit of news here. This one's a little bit less exciting, I would say, but Mr. Eric Decker, who signed with the Patriots, what, just a week ago now? Was it even that long? It, it's two. been not, it was, like was it been two? two Maybe it's been so. two. Yeah, I, I was yeah. gone last week, so it might've felt like less, but uh, he, he has now retired from National Football League and 
He probably, you know, went over to the Patriots after being a free agent for a little while, started exercising and realized, you know, it's just not worth it anymore. Yeah, he had some good years, and I think it was probably time. He just wasn't that good last year for the Titans. So you guys have any feelings about Decker at all? Yeah. I mean, I'm a little sad about it. I actually had a pending waiver claim in the Scott Fishbowl for him, which I had to go cancel. Uh, but what's really much more interesting than the Decker side of the story is the Patriots receiver side of the story, because with Edelman out, obviously for the first four weeks and now no Decker who they brought in to potentially help fill their depth in that, at that position, we're looking at guys like Philip Dorsett and Corderell Patterson across from Chris Hogan, at least to start the season. Um, and both guys have actually flashed in preseason, so I'm a little interested in both of them. Per- personally, I prefer Patterson, which is something I thought I would never say. Uh, uh, me yeah. too, man. I've got, it. I've grabbed him in a couple <laughs> spots. This is like a flyer. If I have exactly. a big roster or something, why not? No, he's looked great. He's a huge guy um, with an incredible adjusted speed score, uh, i.e., how fast he is for his size. So, I mean, if he makes the starting roster or at least the roster and has a chance to catch a few deep balls and touchdowns from Tom Brady, he could give you some value. And same with Dorsett. Yeah, I kind of I kind of lean Dorsett out of those two. Um, I like what he's seen. I think he's got uh, the higher draft capital pedigree from a few years ago. I think he was a first rounder uh, by the Colts. So I, I like the opportunity for both of them for sure. If I'm going to lean one or the other, I would take a flyer on Dorsett personally. Yeah, also, I, I have Gronk for like 15 touchdowns. Uh, it's very possible. I mean, it just keeps growing, it's thing and about, growing and growing. It's the thing about Brady in that he can make almost anyone who steps up relevant. And I'm sure we'll touch on that as we get to him because he's certainly going to be on this list of quarterbacks here we talk about this evening. So let's move on to the next little bit of news here. Um, we are going to touch on some of our injury news. Bets, go ahead and break down some of these stories here for us that we have injury related. Uh, you know, how long people are going to be out and things like that. There's a couple interesting ones today, so just go ahead and run them down for us. Yeah, we'll start with the biggest one from week three of the preseason, and that was uh, Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver Marquise Lee. Uh, unfortunately, is headed to injured reserve after a nasty left knee injury. Uh, if you saw the clip, you know, going around online or, or watch the game, it was obvious to see his left knee buckle in like 70 degrees of the wrong direction uh, when he got hit low by a defender after making a catch. So uh, the team has come out and, and reported there is ligament damage. They have not specified exactly what ligaments are damaged. Based off the video, if I was going to be a betting man, I would bet ACL and MCL. But uh, sometimes, you know, your exam on the field doesn't always correlate exactly to uh, what ends up being the injury. So uh, an MRI will confirm this and then they'll go in and, and even sometimes the MRI doesn't always match uh, and they'll go in and they'll they'll go to do their surgery and, and examine things in more detail. Uh, from a long-term perspective, you know, obviously he'll be out at least uh, this season and then he'll he'll have a full year to recover, which is good if you're going to tear your ACL. The other thing is based off the contact from the injury and the amount of torsion and torque on his knee, I'm concerned about any potential cartilage injury. Uh, from that, which could spell some long-term results. Again, we don't really know this the specifics. This is all speculation at this point, but we do know Lee's season uh, is over with that left knee injury. Now, 
This certainly has the chance to be the biggest injury on this list, if not one of the bigger ones in the offseason slash preseason. If somebody in that receiving core steps up into a leading, leading target role that's significant, do you guys think that someone's going to do that? And if so, who? Or do you think it's just going to kind of be a really unhelpful split between all the guys there? Well, it certainly makes it easier. And I think that a lot of people have been saying that Keelan Cole is going to be the guy to step up. And I've snagged him in a couple of leagues already where I've drafted and he's been sitting on the waivers it's because people have been unsure about that receiving core in that it was just so deep, full of guys that don't really have much of a history of being the one. So they're just kind of all in that mix. You know, it was it was Lee, Cole, uh, Moncrief, Chark. Uh, D.D. Westbrook, it, they just had so many guys, that, and you have no idea where the targets are going to end up by the end of the season. As unfortunate as it is that Lee has been uh, sent to the IR, it helps boil down what's remaining, and I think a lot of people look to Keelan Cole's end-of-last-year finish in which uh, it was like a three- or four-week span. He was the number two wide receiver, and you're excited about that in that he has this opportunity to expand that role to an entire season. So I think Keelan Cole is the guy I'm after the most. Um, and I think, I think Moncrief is still like a reasonably interesting pickup as well. So there's no reason to, to not take a flyer on one of these guys. If you have the space on your bench. Personally, I am a Westbrook guy. And the fact that we talked about all three of them really shows you kind of, uh, the mix that it's going to be there and the chance that it could be any of them because we really don't know. Um, I really liked how Westbrook looked in the preseason last year before he got injured and he actually came on really strong as well with Cole when Bortles was one of the top QBs in the league at the end of the year last year. Um, and I think he's maybe a little bit more of the possession guy than Cole. So that's why I kind of want, or I kind of see him filling in the high catch kind of, uh, position that Lee would have played one thing I mean what it boils down to for me is I think we may have mentioned before or you may have seen on Twitter this kind of concept of don't leave your draft without Tom Brady's top receiver or don't leave your draft with Aaron Rodgers top receiver I think this year don't leave your draft without a Jaguars receiver it may not necessarily matter who it is but in the late rounds when you're taking flyers get one of these guys because one of them is going to end up being really useful for fantasy at least yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of lukewarm on the entire situation. I can see what you're saying there, Okada, but uh, for me, I'm not really making that a priority given that it's going to be such a low-volume offense. I kind of see this being a scenario where one week Moncrief's the guy and the next week Keelan Cole's the guy and the week after that it's Westbrook and you're back and forth and don't know who to start. So uh, even though Lee's out, I'm still pretty hands-off on this passing attack unless one guy emerges earlier on in the season, which is exactly what you're saying, is, is take a flyer and wait for that guy to emerge. Um, I'll probably just wait a little longer, and uh, I'm, I'm okay, I think, with being one step behind everyone else if it if it does unfold. As a yeah, different angle, the- uh, sorry, as a different angle, do you does this move the needle for Fournette for you at all? Not really. No. I think that this offense was geared to be a run-first offense anyway. Sure. Losing Lee doesn't really change that a ton. Um, I'd I think Fournette's in for a huge workload this year, and like I said, it doesn't really change a ton without Lee. I think the offense is going to run through Fournette uh, in a heavy way. Yeah, and I can understand the unexcitement as well uh, between the the split of the targets week to week, and then at the end of the day, it's Bortles throwing the ball still, so it's it's iffy still, and that's why these guys are all still 
you know, waiver pickups or what have you at the moment. So flyer material for sure. But let's let's move on to the next one, Bets. Yeah, the uh, the next one's another another big big name here in the receiver market, and that's Adam Thielen. Uh, he left practice today with a left ankle injury. Uh, the the reports that I saw going around were that uh, the ankle rolled. So I'm gonna assume that means um, an ankle sprain. Where you know we've all had these where you take a weird step or like you step on someone's foot and your your ankle twists inwards. Uh, so those carry a different timeline depending on the severity. The severity for him does not seem to be high, which is good news given that week one is rapidly approaching. Uh, the reports showed that he walked off under his own power, um, and he's seen talking to the media after practice, kind of standing on both feet, um, and seemed to be in, in good spirits. So I think it's pretty minor, but something to watch for as the next you know week and a half unfolds as he gets ready here for week one. Yeah, I heard this on the radio today in the local sports media, and I started to like freak out, and I was worried he's going to be like on IR and stuff. But it, really, all the the follow on reporting sounded really positive, like you were saying. So I'm not too worried. The only reason it raises an eyebrow, at least, is is like you said, because we're so close to week one now. If this was two weeks ago, I probably wouldn't care in the slightest. I wouldn't have even put it on the show doc, but. Uh, it's close to, to game time, so definitely you got to keep an eye on it. And I'm sure if you haven't drafted already, you're drafting like this week. So, yeah. Um, one uh, one little narrative aspect of this that's worth mentioning is when we were coming into this season with Cousins taking over at QB, the big question was kind of who is he going to build a rapport with, Diggs or Thielen? Because whoever it is, we expect to have a monster season probably better than either of them did last year even which were both good seasons. And the preseason has shown so far that it's been Diggs already. He's looked, Diggs big oh time. my goodness. Yeah. I'm are so excited. On, yeah, they are clicking like crazy. And with this, with uh, Thielen potentially missing a little bit of practice time, even though he's not going to miss game time because they none of them were going to play in the fourth preseason game anyways. But even just that little bit of practice time that now Cousins is going to have more with Diggs than Thielen gets me even more worked up about Diggs, and he's moving his way towards my top 12 honestly yeah i, I don't blame you there akata i'm with you on that i think that uh that he's in for a huge season and, and we're all team Diggs on this podcast is that i think right? so I think that's right at this point yeah yeah i can check that but uh one thing i've noted recently is yes Diggs has been the focal point uh from what kirk has been trying to do offensively but if you're looking at red zone usage, I think Kyle Rudolph has been not used as much this preseason as people were expecting. You know, a lot of people were saying Kirk Cousins loves his tight end, and so Kyle Rudolph is going to be the guy. Well, I don't, I don't think that was really because it was a tight end. It was because it was Jordan Reed, and someone who plays more like Jordan Reed is Stefan Diggs, not Kyle Rudolph. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited for a lot of this offense to go through Diggs. If Thielen were to miss time, Diggs would be a top five, no question for me. And that's kind of how, how I feel about it. But I, I don't think Thielen will miss much time. So let's wrap up Diggs. We'll go on to the next piece of news. We're talking about a rookie running back. Bets? Yeah, this will make uh, this will make Okada happy uh, as a Patriots fan. Sonny Michelle's back at practice, which is great. Um, he returned to practice uh, just a few days ago on Monday. Um, the reports came out after the fact that he had his knee procedure done to remove some of the swelling from the knee, that it was related to um, a meniscus injury. So for those of you that aren't aware, the meniscus is just a tiny rim of cartilage that kind of sits along uh, the ridge of your bones in your knee, and it helps provide some 
contact between the joints to help it move smoothly and absorb shock and things like that. Uh, so when it's, you know, when it's damaged and when it's torn, there's basically two options. And one is you go in and you actually repair the tissue, uh, which depends on the location of the tear. So if it's a, um, an easily accessible point, they'll go ahead and repair it, which is always the goal if the athlete um, can tolerate it to preserve the knee long term. If it's a simple tear, they'll just go in and trim off a piece of it, um, which it sounds like this is related to what was going on with Sony Michelle, um, given the swelling. Long term, there's not really much to talk about here. Short term, I think that this is something that we could see linger in the first couple of weeks as guys get back from this. They tend to deal with some more soreness as you expose the knee to more impact and things like jumping and cutting, uh, etc. So uh, it's great that he's back there um, and looks like he should be on track for week one. But if there's any you know small news that comes out that he's dealing with a little bit of soreness, um, I'm going to be moving heavily away from Michelle. Uh, in the next two weeks. Away from Michelle and towards Rex, my oh, guy for this year. Go. So I'm very excited for him. Oh, what? You should be happy he's a Patriot. You can just get excited for all of them, can't you? So I I can. This has been quite the enjoyable uh, set of news for me. Uh, and it's funny, with, <laughs> it's funny with Michelle because he had his knee thing come up first and we saw Burkhead just start rising. And then now they seem to have swapped. Burkhead's situation seems a little bit more questionable. And so now Michelle, I expect to start rising back. Listen, I think they're both going to be valuable for fantasy, honestly, as long as either is healthy, healthy. And if either does miss time, the other is an RB1 for me. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, and one thing I'll say too is, is just jumping in quick is uh, Burkhead's also dealing with some some knee injuries. The report literally said there's a small tear. What that is? A tear in what, though? Know. I tried looking. I looked everywhere for where the tear was. No one would say. You will not find it's it. It's just I've a tear. everywhere as well. It's just a little the tear. The Patriots are so sneaky. Those sneaky Patriots. <laughs> um, but what that what that tells me is, you know, they've got two good running backs. They're both kind of banged up. Don't be surprised to see the Patriots go back to their old ways with using multiple backs to preserve both of these these running backs and these weapons in that offense with James White mixing in there too, who, by the way, has looked really good this preseason um, when he's been on the field. So an interesting late round flyer if you're desperate for a running back in the early weeks. Yeah, so we got a couple of uh, smaller little bits of news here at the end. Alshon Jeffrey was just announced recently. Well, actually, I think it was a member of the coaching staff said that he was likely to miss at least two games of the regular season, and that is certainly not... Uh, encouraging news, I would say, as a guy who has had some injury history in the past. But I, I had already kind of faded him a little bit this year based on some of the, the, the news earlier in the offseason on this injury. And the fact that just now, a week before regular season, that they're saying that, that's three weeks that they know he's out. I, I don't feel good about it at all. Yeah, I mean, he's he's still recovering from that offseason shoulder surgery that he had to repair a tear in his rotator cuff. Uh, that recovery timeline depends widely on a couple of things. One is the location of the tear and the size of the tear. So his prognosis was given at about six months when the, the surgery was announced, which is roughly about the, the timeline for a small to medium tear. So nothing major going on here. Um, but, I mean, the thing is with a soft tissue injury that requires repair, it's a very slow and conservative process. So even though, you know, Jeffrey looked great, uh, last season and in the Super Bowl and and you know reports have been that he's on track and he's right where they want him to be it's just a slow recovery process that you can't rush regardless of how the guy feels um, and like you mentioned Kent they, he is going to miss a couple of weeks to start the season that's been confirmed he does look like he's going to avoid pup 
though. So, you know, that's a six-week timeline if he does go on PUP, which means that they're confident he'll be back out there um, within the first few weeks of the season. I think right now I've seen some stuff going around that he's roughly catching like 75 passes a day, but that doesn't include contact and that doesn't include game exposure. So given, you know, the injury news, plus the fact that he's going to have to be acclimated back into the offense for a couple of weeks, I agree with you. I'm I'm way down on, on Jeffrey this year. Yeah, and then um, la- one last little bit of news here, and this was this was a quote straight from the horse's mouth here that Doug Baldwin said that his knee is at about 80 or 85%, and it will not be at 100% when he gets a regular season. So I, I think he knows best that if he's not feeling right, that it's, that it's probably not 100% right yet. So I don't like hearing that from a guy who's probably your wide receiver one or two, depending on how you start your draft. So if he ends up missing time, that's going to be a huge detriment to the start of your fantasy season. So uh, what, what could this mean as far as his recovery process? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's alarming to me because I always like to hear what the people have to say that are recovering from the injury. Um, I think I talked about this before with Chris Thompson, when he said he wasn't hundred percent and he wouldn't be for a while. I believe these guys and I believe what they're saying because no one knows your body better than you do when you're recovering. I think for a while people got really excited when they saw his practice reports and his activity start to ramp up and they said, okay, he's back. Uh, And I do think he'll be out there week one and I think he'll be ready to go for the season, but at at what capacity and how much will this linger, you know, as the weeks go by. So uh, it's, it carries some risk for sure. Uh, I think the upside's there, but it does carry some risk in terms of a re-injury aspect here moving forward i'm curious how 85 percent feeling translates to numbers so that mean he'll be 85 percent doug baldwin numbers because if so that's not too bad but uh er (laughs) i wish it was that as i've talked about before early in the season that could be very bad though especially with an offense that has uh not much offensive depth to it right now and their o-line is Actually, okay. Their their offensive line looked fine recently against my Vikings. So, yeah, uh, Russell Wilson said that it was like the best he's ever seen them, and the push they were getting was insane. So I don't I know. Think people but... are I think people are kind of sleeping on the Seattle run game a little bit based on the O line. I tried to tell you guys. <laughs> I tried to tell you all. You, well, you tried to tell us about the wrong guy though. Oh, <laughs> Chris no. Carson has been looking good lately. No, no, no. Let's let's not go into that right now. But. Uh, as far as Baldwin goes, I just don't think that if if I haven't drafted yet and I'm about to draft, there's just no reason I draft him at price. There's, I mean, why why take the risk? There's plenty of other good, solid wide receivers that are consistent to some degree that don't have injury question marks. So he's he's off my board, and I, I look to something else. With that being said, let's move on to the quarterbacks. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Well, I bet <laughs> I bet number one on our, our consensus list here could throw football over them mountains. I've seen him do it numerous times with four seconds left on the clock or something dumb like that. Of course, it's Aaron Rodgers. He's the notorious enemy of the Vikings, and everyone in this state hates him, and I, I tend to agree with them. But he is my number one overall fantasy quarterback, as well as... Everyone else, literally everyone had him ranked number one on our podcast, as well as the ECR and ADP for good reason. When he's playing, he puts up elite numbers. 
And I don't think there's really much to say outside of that. He did lose Jordy Nelson this last offseason. He did gain Jimmy Graham this last offseason. So I don't think there's really too much difference in the receiving talent on this team. He has Ty Montgomery in the backfield. He has a, a pair of apparently good running backs, according to the coaching staff. And I, I don't see any reason for that offense to stall uh, and it's definitely not going to be at the cost of Aaron Rodgers. So I don't think there's much to say here on my end, but do you guys have any thoughts on him and why you have him number one? I mean, the big thing for me is he's not only number one, he's in his own tier among these quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers is kind of like the Gronk uh, of the quarterback position in that when he's healthy, he's going to score a lot more points than everybody else, not just a little bit more points. Um, and yes, he can throw the ball over the mountain and probably into a bucket on the other side of the mountain because that's how good he is. Um, and I mean, you all know I'm a Patriots fan and a huge Tom Brady lover. Uh, and I will never even get close to arguing that anyone but Tom Brady is the goat, but Aaron Rodgers might be the boat, which is just the best of all time. There's a difference. <laughs> Are we really going to let that just slide? That's, a, that's an interesting uh, difference, uh, the boat. <laughs> There's a difference between greatest and best, and it's just from a skill standpoint, which translates much better to fantasy, Aaron Rodgers is probably the best of all time. It may be Peyton Manning, but it's between those two. Yeah, I mean, how can you argue with with a guy that's finished either first or second consistently over the past uh, 10 years, every time except for three seasons? Um, and only, you know, two times he was outside those top seven was coming back from injury. And when he was injured uh, in that season, when he comes back from injury, specifically with the, the collarbone, which he had fractured last year, um, there is absolutely zero fall off in his production. He broke the collarbone in 2013 and 2014. He came back and won the MVP. So, you know, there's there is real no no concern from a medical perspective from his injury last year either. Yeah, it, he's a. Uh like a 4,500-yard, 30-something touchdown guy who's going to have a handful of rushing touchdowns as well on the season. And if you own him, you start him. And if he's on by, you grab someone off the waivers and drop him next week because you just you got to trust this guy because he puts up elite numbers. So I think we can just go ahead and move right past it because it's he's easily number one for everyone. Uh, number two on the list is Russell Wilson. And now we might have a little bit of a, a discrepancy here already because – He's number two for everyone on the pod except for Okada, who has him at five. And the ECR has him at two right now, agreeing with the smart people on the podcast. And the oh. ADP is at four overall. I'm sorry. I was mean. I didn't mean that at all. Ah, the ADP <laughs> has him at four, so I'm a man of the people. A man of the people. Okay. <laughs> so tell me why Tell me why you don't have him at two, basically. Um, there's a few reasons. One is kind of something we talked about with the receivers last week that I just happen to like the other guys a little bit more. It's not that I really hate Wilson. The other big one is actually, and this might sound strange and counterintuitive, but I think the Seahawks are going to be better as a team offensively this year. Um, we talked about maybe their line looks a little bit better. I'm not fully convinced, but it can't be much worse than it was last year. Their run game should definitely be better because it was atrocious, if not non-existent last year. And Rod, uh, Wilson had to shoulder absolutely everything. He had something disgusting like 97% of the offensive touchdowns and 
81% of the total scrimmage yards. I believe those are the numbers, uh, which both were like insanely high ranking among all time QBs, maybe first or second in both those categories, as far as how much of his team's offense he had to shoulder. So I think all of that's going to come down. He led the league in touchdowns last year. I don't expect that to happen. I expect him to have value with his legs, of course, which is one of the reasons he's still in my top five. But I like three other guys just a little bit better than him, besides Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, I think that I agree with a lot of your points there, Okada. But the one thing that you didn't touch on that I think we should touch on is the fact that that defense has imploded. Uh, They are not going to be the defense they've been in the last five seasons. Um, And so I think game scripts are going to be very favorable for the Seahawks offense this year, especially late in the game when they're losing. So uh, I do expect the offense in general to improve. and, And with that, you know, have a lot more opportunities for Russ uh, and those pass catchers to be able to play catch up at the end of the game. In addition to the value he brings to his legs um, easily allows me to keep him there at, at number two. Yeah, he's without a doubt one of the squirreliest quarterbacks ever. I mean, the way he escapes the pocket and still hits, you know, a guy on the sideline for 25 yard gain is is unbelievable. But you know, we were talking in the in the injury segment. D- Doug Baldwin is not at 100. percent Tyler Lockett has a toe injury. It's believed to be minor, but it's it's something. And then beyond that, they have the ghost of Brandon Marshall and Jaron Brown. I mean, it, even if you know Russell Wilson is playing out of his mind, what if the guy he's throwing to cannot catch and run? I mean. That's seriously a concern that this offense could have is that they're going to have to shorten up everything and make it like chain moving type stuff or focus on the run game, uh, be that with Russell himself or the running backs, which now they have a first rounder and Chris Carson. Uh, So it's it's interesting. I don't know how the passing offense is going to be. I think the game script is going to be good. I'm just afraid of who's going to be catching the ball if it's not Doug Baldwin. Yeah, that's fair. The Seahawks need to call Des Bryant immediately. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, honestly. I really wouldn't. A lot of people need to call Des Bryant immediately. I don't know. Maybe he's walking into all these places and asking for $10 million or something. Well, you know what I heard? I heard that the Browns offered him, I, th- I think it said no more than $5 million. And hmm. so Des, Des kind of scoffed at that and, and walked off. Which but. is stupid. How? Oh, my. Let's not get into it now, maybe, but that's dumb. Yeah, I think he deserves a little more than five. I, I don't think he deserves ten, um, to be perfectly honest. Probably in the no eight, eight to nine range, no, I think I'd be comfortable with if you're looking at like an all-in type season and the only thing you're missing is a guy to, to work in the red zone, basically. So, I don't know. It's I If he landed on the Seahawks, I would instantly... Well, I already have Russell at number two, but he would stay there. I've considered dropping him down with the Doug Baldwin injury news recently, and I, I never got around to it. So he's still at two for me, but but has a chance to go down. Just a curious side stat for you guys. Did you know that Russell Wilson has been sacked the fifth most times in NFL history through the number of years he's played, which is six, the first six years of their career? Woo! It's not surprising, honestly. That is a lot of... Watching him run for his life behind that Seriously. line over the past yeah. few seasons has been, you know... A heart attack. To Hopefully, watch. they get better for his for his sake. Yeah, it, yeah, I really, I do think it looked better, but um, 
yeah, anyway, let's move on to number three on the list. And this is a, a fan favorite here of Okada, Mr. Tom Brady. He's still playing in the league at the age of 68. I'm sorry. No, what? How old is he now, Okada? 41. 41. He's getting up there. He really is. And, you know, even with his all vegan guru master diet or whatever he's on, uh, Father Time always wins. So, but we have him ranked. Let's see. I have him at three. Jen and Betts have met four, and then Okada has met two. I'm shocked. Color me shocked. But ECR <laughs> and ADP have him at three apiece, so let's go ahead and run through him real quick. I, I mean, look, he's good. He's good at football. What what, what am I going to tell you? I mean, he's old, but he's good at football, and he makes everyone around him look better. And Bill Belichick definitely helps out with that, too. Uh, it's an all-around good offense for that reason alone. And... You know, Chris Hogan is a guy I like this year a lot, and I think that even though Edelman's suspended, they still have plenty of wide receivers on this team for Tom Brady to operate. So I'm fine having him there at three, even though he is 41 years old. I mean, the uh, besides probably a little bit of Homer love that I'm sure is hiding somewhere in my heart that has him up at two, the way that I look at it is kind of this. You can try to predict the season that he's finally going to fall off, which people have been saying exactly what Kent just said in the intro for maybe, what, four or five years now? Father Time always wins. The cliff is going to come. <laughs> Okada, I've been loving your voices lately, man. Keep why, why do you always make fun of me? Is it always me? I feel like it is. Anyway. Maybe because you sassed my boy. But here's the thing. You can try to predict the season that it's going to come and not draft him think it's going to be this year, not draft him, or you can be caught with your pants down finally one season when he does fall off the cliff, unless he just keeps going all the way until he retires, which is secretly the way that I think it's going to go. But here's the thing. When it comes to the quarterback position, you're going to be able to find someone very, very good off your waiver wire or as a backup late in your draft if it comes to the point where Tom Brady actually falls off and you drafted him early. So I'm taking him early until he stops being elite. And at that point, I can find someone perfectly serviceable rather than passing up on the opportunity to have easily one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time heading up my fantasy team. Yeah. Now, Akata, before we move on, can you just can you explain to me the difference between the goat? And <laughs> yes, the goat? it's quite simple. <laughs> but let me break Tom it down. The goat. <laughs> the, goat, the goat has a certain level of intangibles and especially playoff and clutch performances that elevate him from just his skill level above the boat so Aaron Rodgers is Ah, more talented at least right now than Tom Brady but Brady's overall resume is much greater than Rodgers yeah goats goats (laughs) live in the mountains and boats are in the water and that's that's higher and lower that's all it's it's very clear I don't know how you didn't get that um (laughs) but that's great and you know something we haven't talked about with these couple of these early guys here uh, is is where they're going in drafts right now and why I will probably never have them is because they're all like fifth round or higher picks. And Very good point. It's, it's you know, when, when it comes to betting against father time, it's not that I bet the same amount every year. I bet a little bit more every year. You know, I, I think I put this up on Twitter at one point, but when you're playing blackjack, and those face cards are coming, you start betting more. And the face card is Brady eventually getting caught up with his age and falling off that cliff, like you said. So every year I'm going to go a little bit more against that grain. But I don't I don't think that hits this year. I think he's still fine for this season in terms of redraft. 
I just don't want to pay the the fifth round, sixth round pick for him. That's that's my only concern, really. So let's move on to the next guy on our list. We are looking at Cam Newton of the Carolina Panthers. He is number four on our list. I have him four, Gen five, bets three, Okada four. And then the ECR is at four, and the ADP is the fifth quarterback off the board. Um, Betts, why don't you tell me why he's three? Because you're the highest out of all of them. All of us, I should say. Yeah, I think for me, for me, it comes down to the fact that we've seen it before. Cam's exploded onto the scene. And, and granted, you know, two years ago, that was a bit of an outlier. But we've seen that kind of come back to the, to the norm here and kind of normalize a bit. But what I'm excited about with this offense is the fact that the pass catching options have improved with the addition of DJ Moore, who I like a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cam, yeah, and I know you're big on him too. Uh, Cam got Greg Olson back, who last year was struggling with that Jones fracture and then trying to recover from that. And, and we saw that really hurt uh, Cam's passing production. So he gets he gets Olson back this year. He gets DJ Moore. So the passing offense is improved. Christian McCaffrey is going to be elite out of the backfield once again, like he was last year. Uh, the weapons are there. And in general, when you look at you know guys in our top five here on these rankings, I believe personally uh, Cam Newton has the ability to jump those top three and get to that number one again, primarily because what he does both on the ground and with his uh, his passing statistics, excuse me, uh, but, but with the rushing, it's not just the yards, it's the touchdowns that I love. So Cam Newton's a guy that I'm very high on this year. And he's actually a guy that I'm okay taking earlier in my drafts, which is not a strategy that I do. Uh, ever but if he drops into round seven or eight I'm grabbing him there for sure yeah that was pretty much a perfect summary of my thoughts on cam and I would maybe even consider taking him later in round six um, and he's definitely the first guy on, the, on this list that I'm really targeting unless I go completely zero B and I take Aaron Rodgers late in the fourth round or something like that Cam Newton is, to me, the highest difference between where he's being drafted and where you can get him and where he can finish and how he can produce as a quarterback on your team. He is easily, has a very, very easy shot at being the number one QB, even with Aaron Rodgers playing, because of his rushing ability, his touchdowns, like Bet said, and the weapons this year making him even better than he has been. So if you're maybe around round six, round seven, like Bet said, this is this is a guy I'm looking at. Um, if you don't want to wait into the later rounds for QB. I mean, he's never had less than five rushing touchdowns in his in his entire seven-year career. And he has the the numbers on the ground that if he, if he was a running back, he'd be like a running back two for you every single year. And if you take that and add any additional passing work he's going to have, and gr- granted, he gets some flack for not being the world's best pocket passer, and that's okay. He doesn't really need to be with the way the offense has been set up for years, and now they've transitioned to to Norv Turner, so that we could see a little little bit of a different offensive flow there. But uh, I think it'll end up playing to Cam's strengths more than anything. It's more of a timing based offense and kind of quicker, short passes. And I think DJ Moore is going to be able to excel in that mold as well with McCaffrey there as well, doing doing great stuff out of the backfield. So. I think a lot of things are looking really good for Cam Newton this year and that even though he might not be a, the world's greatest thrower, he doesn't need to be to be a top five quarterback. And, and I think he's pretty much a lock for that if he plays 16. I, I'm not concerned. Yeah. yeah. And and real quick, just to touch on one last thing with the rushing, um, everyone was talking about, you know, in, in 2015 and 16, 
that maybe it's time for Cam to start becoming a pocket passer, and maybe it's time for him to start to develop into what an NFL quarterback should be. Listen, this guy is not human when it comes to playing the quarterback position. He is an athletic freak, and we saw last year he actually put up the most uh, rushing attempts of his career. So uh, he's not slowing down. He, he's picking up steam, and I think that we can't speak enough about the rushing because of the fact that you know, in most scoring systems, when you rush for 40 yards as a quarterback, it basically equals um, a touchdown added a on passing a touchdown. passing touchdown yeah. if you play in 40, or excuse me, in four uh, point touchdown leagues. So, you know, that alone, if he's not an elite passer, it doesn't matter. He's still going to be um, a very, very serviceable and potentially league winning option at the quarterback position this season. And, and one of the reasons I think he's up here too is I think because of his running game, who's which is better than Russell Wilson's is, makes him so safe. I mean, it's just unbelievable high floor uh, from his rushing ability. So he's not going to let you down, so to speak, in terms of uh, overall points on the season or week to week. But let's go ahead and move over to number five on the list. We are looking at Drew Brees. And now... I'm not going to lie, we, we kind of vary a little bit on how we rank Drew Brees, and, and Jen is the highest at three. I'd love to hear her thoughts on it. Unfortunately, we cannot this week, but we'll, we'll chat about him a little bit anyway. I'm at six, Betts eight, Okada nine, and then the ECR and ADP have him at the sixth quarterback off the board. So after last season, you're starting to wonder if they're going to kind of phase, not phase Brees out, but kind of phase out their reliance on him a little bit and that that offense has just been vertical for so long and their defense finally got better and they finally got some good running backs uh, up and running in tandem there in Kamara and Ingram but Breeze is a guy who I think the age might be starting to catch up to him a little bit more and he is in his upper 30s I want to say 39 now if I'm not yep. mistaken but that's yeah. correct yeah, so, you know, they could kind of ease him back a little bit in terms of how deep they're passing and, and what their game plan is. But uh, I think he's good enough in the short, quick attack that it, it doesn't really matter. He's going to have enough volume to, to give you top 12 weeks, give you quarterback one results probably about three-quarters of the time. I, I think last year was a little bit too far down. Like, I think he bounces back up a little bit from last year. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Kent, that he's going to bounce back this year. Uh, the biggest thing that we saw last year with Breeze is the lack of touchdowns, um, which that's the question that we have to kind of think about, right, is, is whether or not this is truly the decline of one of, I don't know what Okada's acronym for this would be, but um, one of the best of all time. He, he <laughs> would be among the boat conversation, not the goat oh, conversation. The boats, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, he's definitely a boat. Um, but we saw, you know, his touchdown productions go way down. So, you know, last year he only threw for 23. Before that, he never had a season with the Saints that was less than uh, 26. And that was his first season with the team in, in 2006. So it's definitely an anomaly for sure. From a statistics standpoint, the question is whether or not this is the start of the end or this is just an anomaly and he bounces back for a big way in 2018. Yeah, I mean... I can basically tell you what Jen would say if she was here and it would I won't do the voice because I'm not quite ready to go that far but it would probably have to do no 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 no. I at least have to practice it a little bit I haven't practiced but it's gonna have to do with the touchdown rate uh 
Betts just mentioned his touchdown totals, his rate, i.e., the rate at which he threw a touchdown per pass, basically, was 4.3% last year. That was the lowest he's had since 2007, which is incredibly far back. And his career rate is 5.3%, which is something you should fully expect to bounce back, even even if he doesn't have the pass attempts that he's had throughout his career, which I don't think is the case, which is why I have him at nine, like Kent mentioned. But that touchdown rate's going to bounce back. He's going to have a few more touchdowns. And the way that it works out for me, I have him at nine, which is where he finished last year. And I think he's going to be better than he was last year, so that may be confusing. But the way that it pans out for me is simply that there are quarterbacks who are going to be in my top eight who did not play all of last season or even most of last season. And we'll talk about we've talked about one of them already in Rodgers, and we'll talk about a couple more. Um, so I would I have Rodgers statistically being or sorry Breeze being statistically a little bit better than he was last year, but there are just other guys who I think are going to bump slightly ahead of him. Yeah, it's always an at-cost thing with Breeze. I mean, he he goes by on name value a little bit these days in terms of where he's getting drafted. I think he's obviously he's a really, really good quarterback, and he has been for, for a long time. But the fact of the matter is that I don't want to pony up for, for what he offers at, at his price point. And, you know, this is kind of a ranking of – a combination of where I expect them to end the season and where I want to draft them. So if he ends up dropping to the eighth round, I'll grab Breeze. But I don't. I don't think that happens very often this this year. So um, I'll likely not get a lot of him. So let's wrap up uh, Drew Breeze here and move on to number six on our list. Andrew Luck back in the game. I'm excited about this one. And actually, I want to rank him higher, but I don't know if I can yet. We'll 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 see what I get in before the final rankings are due this year. But uh, for Andrew Luck, I have him ranked at five. Okada has him at three, and then we have a couple of naysayers over here. We have Jen Boo. has him at eight, and Bets Bets you have him down at twelve. Boo. Twelve, and we actually we already kind of know what Bets is gonna say, but I'll let him say it in a little <laughs> bit here anyway. Uh, what am I gonna say, Kent? Uh, what am I gonna say? I want to see him play and get hit, and I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> He hasn't thrown it. Since we're mocking each other all the time now on this show, I figure I'll jump in. Yeah. Um, You guys just wait. (laughs) Yeah. So his ECR is at nine, and then the ADP is at eight as well. So I I don't know. I I can see him. For the longest time this offseason, he was down in like the 10th round, and I was snatching him up in draft leagues and in best ball, you know, MFLs, stuff like that. I have some Andrew Luck once I started to see him get a ball in his hand. Uh, and then he started to play preseasons games, and there were clips around camp and everything, and his hype started exploding. And his value is now, I think, I'll have to go look, but I think it's up in the eighth round now. Yeah, he's going to 804, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, which I think I'm, I might still be okay with taking him there. Because when he plays full seasons, he's a, a top five quarterback. And I think that if he's got his shoulder figured out, he's going to be a top five quarterback. How do you feel? Betts, tell, tell me tell me all those things I knew you were going to tell me. 
All right, yeah, so I just want to see him get hit more. Uh, I'm a doctor. Uh, yeah, no. no. Uh, actually, none of this has uh, has anything to do with medical perspective. I, I'm excited for Luck. I'm happy to see him back out there. He's going to be out there week one, and I do think he'll play a full 16 games this year, so there really isn't any more concern for me. He's shown me enough from that aspect. But from a performance aspect, uh, I haven't seen enough to really put him into that top echelon of quarterback options. Like I said, I, I still have him at 12, so I think he's going to be a QB1. I just don't know that he's as high as you guys think he might be. When you look at what he's done in the past, sure, that's a ceiling, and that's uh, that's a great ceiling to have from your quarterback in fantasy. Uh, but when I went back and actually watched every single throw of his from the preseason, actually right before we started recording, there was a few things that I was a little hesitant about, and one of them uh, is more or less the decision-making that he's had in some of his throws. Um he threw a, a nasty interception down near the goal line uh, against the Ravens and rushed a throw. Um, but sometimes that is hard to predict when it's just a small sample size. So I'd like to see a little more of that from Luck. The second thing is, and this isn't even his fault, is the Colts have been really conservative with their play calling uh, early on in the preseason. So, you know, the first game he didn't throw a pass more than 20 yards down the field uh, is a lot of checkdowns, a lot of swing passes and screens, which is part of what the Colts wanted to do, right? They wanted to get him out there, get him some exposure, get his confidence up, and start that process back into playing at a high level uh, the right way, which I, I like from a rehab perspective. So, um, like I said, I just haven't seen enough, and I haven't seen the old luck where he bombs it deep to T.Y. Hilton for you know a 60-yard touchdown. I want to see those kind of throws more consistently, and I want to see luck consistently showing good decision-making skills because of the fact that you can't really replicate game-like action and the mental processing that has to happen for the, the quarterbacks that play at this this high level. Um, so I'm excited for him. I hope that he proves me wrong. But when you're drafting, I would prefer to take someone else that I'm a little bit uh, more comfortable with with my starting quarterback position. But I like him, and I hope he, I hope he can bounce back. One small or one actually big point of defense uh, for luck that I just want to throw out there, not really to do with what Bet said. What Bet's is saying is true. I just have the faith that He's got it all there, and we'll see it in the season. But people are kind of uh, worried about his lack of receiving talent, specifically at the receiver position. And they say, oh, the, the best guy after T.Y. Hilton is Chester Rogers. How is he going to have a good quarterback season with that kind of setup? Listen, Luck's best season, which was one of the best seasons in recent memory, when he threw 4,700 yards and 40 touchdowns in 2014, he had T.Y. Hilton, and then after that, he had a 64-catch Reggie Wayne and a 51-catch tight end in Kobe Fleener, which he has two great tight ends, and then a 38-catch Ahmad Bradshaw at the running back position. Those were the next three top receiving players on the Colts that year. He, he will make do with whatever he's got out there, and honestly, the roster he has now is probably better than that one. Um, maybe not at the receiver position, Although I think it's probably equal, but the tight ends, they've Ebron and uh, Doyle, that's two great tight ends who can do different things. Um, he's going to make use of them, and I've mentioned how I think he'll make use of the backs as well. So I am not at all concerned about that, and obviously you all know how much I love him. I have him at number three overall. Gimme, gimme. Yeah, I, I'm excited just to see him get back and play, and I think that one of the the main concerns I had was his receiving options. So. I agree on that front. I think uh, his tight ends are going to be really great this year, both Doyle and Ebron. I don't think there's any reason that uh, has to be one or the other. Uh, I think they run they run a lot of two tight end sets out there, and 
uh, I think that's going to generate some some offense there. So I'm just excited to see him play. But let, let's move on to the next guy on our list. We're going to talk about uh, a local favorite of mine. Uh, he goes by Kirk Cousins. Oh. And uh, I'm the soundboard controller, so I'm going to go ahead and play my school chant when my Vikings <laughs> come on. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, Love it. Kirk is a guy who just came to the Vikings this last offseason and got a boatload of money. And he's expected to perform like a a well-paid quarterback, probably a top-five quarterback, I would say, as far as money goes. So do you think that he can? I mean, we have him ranked, let's see, every, anywhere between 5 and 12 at the moment. With uh, Betts is actually the highest on him at 5, and then Okada has him at 12. And everyone else in the EC, ECR and ADP are all in the middle of that. So Betts, you seem to think he's able to live up to that. What? What makes you think so? I got a couple of names for you that I think you gentlemen are going to like hearing. Mm. Stefan mm. Diggs. Yep. Adam Thielen. Yep. Dalvin Cook. Ooh. Yep, yep. My goodness. I am so excited for this offense. I cannot wait to see uh, what, what Kirk Cousins can do. Um, when you look at what Case Keenum did last year, who I think is a good quarterback, um, but he's not Kirk Cousins' level of quarterback. So if he can do just even a little bit more than what uh, Keenum did last year in this offense. I think that the, you know, the output that he's going to do, going to produce with that offense is going to be um, worthy of a top five finish at the end of the year. It mostly has to do with the fact that um, in fantasy previously he's been a very good quarterback, even if he hasn't been the best NFL quarterback. Uh, and I think that's going to continue this year with you could argue the best pass catching options that he's had in his entire career. So oh, without uh, without a doubt for him is yeah. Yeah, is largely tied to those pass catching options. Um, and we've seen guys that play with elite pass catchers be elevated um, when it comes to fantasy. So I love that he's tied to those two receivers and Dalvin Cook. Uh, and I'm excited to watch the Vikings this season. Kent, can you give me the proper pronunciation of Danielle or Daniel Hunter? How do you say that? Uh, it's Daniel. Daniel Hunter. Oh, Daniel. Okay. So. Yeah. It is. Here's a here's a couple more names you guys might like, Mr. Betts. <laughs> Daniil like Hunter, Everson Griffin, uh, yep. Xavier Rhodes, Harrison Smith. Those are the defensive players for the Vikings on what I think is probably the most talented defense in the league. And the only reason for me that Cousins is down at 12 where I have him is because I think his pass attempts are going to be way lower than they were for most of his career in Washington, simply because this defense is so good and they're going to be able to just grind the clock, run it with Murray and Cook, uh, because that's a good role for Murray when they're up by 20, which they will be often, and he can just get those little three-yard runs, take 40 seconds off the clock. I'd rather have Mike Boone in than Latavius oh. Murray. Ooh. But I'll, I'll, I'll keep the Latavius Murray hate to a minimum here tonight. Yeah, so I, I don't dislike Cousins too much, but I just think a few other guys have more upside, so that's why I have him where I have him, and that's one of the main reasons. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's a valid concern to, to throw in there, but... Uh, just pulling up Keenum's numbers from last year. When you look at his his finish on the week, he finished as a quarterback one. Uh, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. And one time he was quarterback 13. Uh, so almost eight, you know, top 12 finishes. And you could argue even the first few of those, he was kind of getting acclimated to the offense um, as he was kind of thrown in there to action. So uh, I think that that is his absolute floor. And with that, I'm fine to take Cousins uh, at number five overall this year. Yeah, I, I have him seven. The defense is a concern in, in leading into pass attempts and also the offensive line. 
Um, which reminds me, they're having tryouts, and I think I'm the next best guy up. So I gotta go, guys. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've we've had injuries, but we do have guys coming back from injury that happened earlier in the off season. So there's there's still some hope, but it's definitely sketchy. And if we do have one or two more injuries, it's going to be a lot of guys in our backfield trying to tackle him. So uh, it, it's scary. It's definitely scary for his health and and everything. And you know, under pressure, he's been noted as being not the world's greatest quarterback. Uh, so I don't know. That's my, that's my concern. I have him at seven. I think he's going to be good when given the opportunity. I am just afraid that those opportunities will be destroyed by big defensive linemen. So hopefully that does not happen too often this year. I'd like to be a happy Vikings fan, but let's move on to number eight on the list. We got a couple more guys. We got to get through here real quick. We're looking at Mr. Deshaun Watson, the four game sample himself, uh, it's it's really a matter of if he keeps it up or not, but I have him at 10, Jen at 6, Betts 7, and Okada 6, so I'm the lowest on him, so I guess I'll I'll kind of kick kick it off here. His ECR is at 5, and his ADP is actually number 2 on Fantasy Football Calculator. He's the second quarterback off the board, which I think is madness. I think it is it is absurd that you're taking a guy who's, who's had four games, you think that he's going to repeat probably the world's greatest touchdown rate ever uh, in NFL over the course of a 16-game season, and he's not. And he's probably going to be pretty good in the NFL. I'm not worried about Deshaun Watson being an NFL-caliber quarterback, but the fact of the matter is that if you're drafting a guy number two, you you dang well better know he's going to perform at least to a quarterback one level like 60% 75% of the time. That's the kind of stuff you're expecting from a guy you're drafting that high. I think it's very possible this dude ends up scoring half of his weeks like below quarterback 12 because he's going to get caught up by some good defenses uh, and he's going to get intercepted probably a decent amount. He has some outstanding receivers out there in front of him right now in DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and a couple of other guys that are nameable as well, but uh, those are the two main ones. And I just don't think... He has enough tools, and he also has a bad offensive line. And he, as you can tell, it's been very decisive in, in how I rank my guys. Uh, if he is running into trouble in the backfield as well, is he going to be able to continue his touchdown rate, which is borderline impossible. So uh, one of you guys go ahead and try and sell me. I, I don't know if you can, not for the price tag. Uh yeah, for the price tag, I honestly can't sell you because ADP of two, ECR of five, you're not going to get him where any of us have him ranked. And certainly not where we have him ranked consensus at eight. Um, I, I do believe that he has, first of all, number one overall upside and that he's not going to continue the, t- the touchdown rate that he had from last year. It's literally impossible. And for reference, by the way, he had a 9.3% touchdown rate, which means he throws a touchdown almost once every 10 passes. That Aaron Rodgers, absurd. It is absurd. Aaron Rodgers has never done it. Tom Brady has never done it. Peyton Manning, this is in a season, by the way. Peyton Manning did it one time, and it wasn't even the season that he broke the touchdown record. He only had an 8.3% touchdown rate in that season. So it is literally impossible for Deshaun Watson to throw the touchdown rate that he was throwing. So that's going to come down. Having said that, I like his weapons. I like his rushing ability. Clearly, he does have a very capable arm. 
Um, and I think he has a ton of upside. So that's why I have him where I have him. But unless he falls into the sixth, seventh round, probably at the earliest, I'm not looking at him. And that's almost impossible in your draft. Yeah, it's it's not happening, basically. Yeah. Bets, how do you yeah, feel? There's no way. I mean, he's he's being drafted to do what he did last season, which you guys have made excellent points on that it's not going to happen. Uh, I also have concerns with Watson in regards to the fact that you know, these rookie quarterbacks sometimes come into the league and just take, you know, these defenses up by surprise and just put up massive production. But then defenses and defensive coordinators have an entire offseason to study the tape, um, kind of watch their tendencies, you know, et cetera. And when that happens, we tend to see a little bit of a fall off come from the the quarterback in the next season. So I think that combined with the fact that he's, his efficiency was just through the roof last year with the fact that defenses can now plan for him a little bit more uh I'm, I'm down on him not as much as you Kemp, but like i said i've got him at seven so i uh i definitely like him i just don't like him as much as everyone else does out there at qb2 overall. let's put it this way i hope someone who drafts him early drops him because it's very likely he could have some really down weeks and also someone who's likely to draft a guy like watson that early is also likely to drop them because they're bad at fantasy but um <laughs> no, I, I mean, I hope he does because I think he could be one of the ultimate streaming quarterbacks. I really do. I mean, you talk about his number one upside. That's that's week to week. I think you can put him against bad defenses that won't be able to put him under pressure as much and he can explode. But I think you get a good defense in his face. Uh, he could get really hurried and scrambled and kind of out of control. So I would love to stream him, but people are way too hyped on him for that to be allowed right now. So I kind of I kind of hope he starts the season bad so I can actually kind of dabble with him a little bit. Yeah, I think that's that'd be an interesting strategy if you can actually make that work. If you can make that work and you're in a league like that, let me know cuz I want to play in yeah, the league next no, year. Yeah, no, I if someone actually drops <laughs> I get it. I and I don't <laughs> think it's really. likely, but I it's something that I wish would happen, I guess. So All right. Well, let's let's move on. We got two more guys here. We're going to kind of wrap this up real quick for you, but uh, number nine is Matthew Stafford. He kind of always is in this range. Uh, I have him at nine, Jen at nine. Betts, you're a little bit higher on him at six, Okada 11, and then ECR and ADP are at 10. So that you know, end of the quarterback one range, it's kind of where he ends up. I, I don't know. I'd have to go look, but has he had a top five season so far? I don't know that he has. Uh, we'll we'll look, uh, we'll look into that, but... It's you know he's consistent. He's a very good real NFL quarterback. Uh, I think that the Lions have started to build a team around him uh, now that they have him locked up for a while. So it's good to see you know they're getting new running backs in there, and the receiving options have gotten much better over the last few years after Megatron left. So um, yeah, it's it's looking good for him, and I I could see him being better than his average. Do we, did we find out? Uh, yeah, he finished. He finishes the QB five overall in 2011. He and did that was the okay. Highest that he's finished, and so that was back Which, in the Megatron era. Yeah, and that season he put up more than 5,000 yards passing and 41 touchdowns. Crazy. So yeah, I mean, I like him. He's de- he's good. He's a great late round target. So I- I've gotten him quite a few spots this year. But how you guys feel about Stafford this year? I mean, Stafford is Stafford. It's kind of what you said in the beginning. Honestly, I don't find myself with much Matthew Stafford in my drafts, and it's simply because 
if I wait a little bit on QB and I'm getting into this range of, of guys who are considered later round, um, I'm probably going to aim for somebody with big upside. That's just kind of the way that I draft. So, for example, Patrick Mahomes, who you won't know because we're not going to get to him, but I have him ranked at eight overall among QBs. Maybe it's a little hot. But I'm, I'm probably going to grab someone like that. And it kind of circles back to what I said about Brady and the falling off the cliff thing. In that, I'm going to take a risk and try to grab someone who I think could be a top five QB, which even though Stafford's done it once, I don't think any of us expect him probably to be. And if that, whoever I nab, if it's Patrick Mahomes, if he ends up throwing 17 interceptions a game and is completely unusable, then there's going to be guys that I can grab off the waiver wire uh, that will be perfectly startable so Stafford is great and if you want to just a reliable guy and don't want to worry about either streaming later or picking an unreliable guy or uh, late in your draft he's a great target but I don't find myself with too much of him yeah I'm a little higher on him I like him I think that he's just so reliable like you guys mentioned and, and he's a you know plug it plug and play forget about it kind of guy um, I don't think there's anything that he does that's amazing or special, but he does enough that he's very serviceable in fantasy. Um, and he also provides those week winning weeks. He's had a couple of finishes uh, last year, actually, inside the top five. So he can do it. It's just a matter of can he do it consistently. Um, and the reason that I have him higher than, you know, guys like Deshaun Watson and potentially guys um, like Andrew Luck and, and uh, Drew Brees is just the fact that he does provide a little bit more of that upside, but also balances it out with some safety. So I like that in my quarterback. I like to be able to kind of pick a guy and play him week to week. And Stafford's going to be that guy uh, with a good receiving core. Uh, so so I like him. Again, nothing really that stands out to me from a hard-hitting analysis kind of thing. He's just consistent and he's reliable and, and he's a great option. So I like him this year. Yeah, I, I think I mostly grab him because his opening schedule is pretty relaxed. It's you know Jets, 49ers, Patriots, Cowboys, Packers. So it's not it's not too rough. Uh, and then he gets to his bye week. So then you could always you know drop and stream or whatever you want to do. But it's it's easy going. It's a nice safe option, and his price tag isn't too steep. So that's kind of why I, I've been kind of getting him in some spots. But Let's get on to our last guy we're going to talk about here today in our consensus rankings for quarterbacks. It is Carson Wentz. Uh, I have him at 11. Jen and Okada have him at 7. And then Betts has him at 10. The ECR is at 8 and the ADP is at 7. So Wentz has kind of a range here. And in some places, I've seen varying opinions on this so far. But the way that this injury news has been coming out recently where he's not even cleared for contact yet, Kind of scared him down my rankings a little bit recently before we started this show. So are you concerned, Bets? I guess, as far as the contact issue and if his injury status is okay for the start of the regular season? Yeah, I mean, from a, an injury perspective, I mean, obviously this is not good news because we want him out there as fantasy owners, but this is good news for his long-term health, the fact that the Eagles are being very smart with him. Uh, and this was kind of always the plan for Wentz was to, to hold him out all of preseason and maybe be ready for week one, but there was never a guarantee. Uh, so I'm not really surprised that he's been kind of slowly working his way back here and uh, getting ready for the season, but won't be ready for week one. I anticipate something like a week three or week four return. 
um, which is why I have him down where I do. I would love to rank him higher, especially as an Eagles fan. But, you know, because he is coming back from that injury, he's going to have a few games that he misses this season. I can't put him higher than than 10. Uh, the, the fact that he's even pushing to be ready for week one from a rehab perspective, for me, is a bit concerning, given that he had a multi-ligament injury and the fact that it occurred in December. So he's pushing the timeline for just a straightforward ACL but now you add on an extra ligament on top of that, in which the rehab is a lot slower. Uh, I hope I hope the Eagles keep holding them out because that would be the smartest move from an injury perspective. Uh, this is probably one for me that may move in the next few days to week as we come up to the very front of the season. And if you're lucky enough to not have had your draft yet, that you have to watch this situation because this is going to be one of the biggest uh, swings potentially based on injury that you'll see with a player because if if he if it news comes out of practice that he's suddenly doing 11 on 11s and looking great and they expect him back week 1 or week 2 then Wentz is going to be a value potentially where he's getting drafted but if things continue to go a little slower and maybe he starts to fall towards a timeline that's more reasonable even like with what Bet's saying uh this even this is going to be a reach and anyone who drafted him higher is going to be really disappointed so keep a close eye on this by the way Wentz is another um, example of a, a touchdown rate that's way too high. I've mentioned it a yep. couple times now. I think yep. his rate last year was 7.5%. Yeah, 7.5%, yep. which is higher than the career rates of all those three guys I mentioned before, Manning, Brady, and Rodgers. So that's going to come down, um, especially if Jeffrey is also going to miss a little bit of time. That's not going to help. So, yeah, there's a lot of question marks surrounding Wentz, and you really got to keep a close eye on this one. Yeah, and in fact, the only time that Tom Brady had a higher touchdown percentage was from his 50-touchdown season. So I think it's pretty safe to say that Carson Wentz is not going to return to that percentage of throwing touchdowns. Now, he he's still entering his third year in the NFL, and he's had a, you know, he missed some time last year. He's he's still developing as a quarterback and as a player and and he's still developing into an adult, frankly. I mean, he's he's still pretty young. And, you know, we should see him mature and kind of grow into this game a little bit more. And I think that this that could mean his yardage will come up. Even if he doesn't have the touchdowns there, he could still throw for probably 500 more yards than he did uh, last year or, or was pacing. I could see him being in the low 400 or 4,000s. Uh, so if he doesn't throw all those touchdowns, fine. I think that he's going to kind of round out his game a little bit more. And I'm still excited for his future. I'm just scared of the injury and scared of, you know, Alshon Jeffrey now missing time. There's kind of some question marks popping up, and that's why he's he's sunk down a little bit in my rankings. But I'm excited for him. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's going to be a good quarterback for a long time. So excited for his yeah. long term. Yeah. If you play in a dynasty league, go buy Carson Wentz right now because mm-hmm. his price tag will never be lower. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up this show here. We talked about our consensus top 10 quarterbacks and how we kind of rank them going into the season, how we feel about their draft price and, you know, all the other things that are going on with them in question marks. And one thing I want to say real quick before we get out of here is that I, I, I've poked fun at the idea of drafting an early quarterback, but really I think that if you're optimizing your roster to, to the greatest extent, there's plenty of talent. I mean, seriously, think of all the guys that we haven't talked about today. Phillip Rivers, Pat Mahomes, 
Uh, there's others, Jared Goff. There's plenty of guys that are still solid who are not getting drafted until the, the late double-digit rounds. Just wait on quarterback and, and get that talent later in, in the draft, and I think you can get you know more depth on your running back and wide receiver position groups earlier in the draft. So that that's my recommendation. Yeah, Okada. Y- yeah, just to pop onto that really quick, I think it's I think it's good that we throw out a few names here, and you've mentioned a couple. A couple other ones to consider might be, and this is going to sound crazy, but Andy Dalton oh, and, I, I'm and all for Matt it. Ryan, yeah. the Red Rifle. Yeah, both of I have a the, waiver. Both of those guys. Oh, in uh, in uh, I have Scott. No, Fish. not not for uh, Scott Fish. He got taken there, but in, in one of my leagues, I was like, I saw that third preseason game, and I was like, you know what? Dalton to AJ Green, that's looking real fresh. That's looking exactly. like vintage connection for those yeah. two. So and I'm I'm excited in, about them again. Throw in John Ross and and Joe Mixon in the passing game. He's got better weapons than maybe he's had for a while. So I think he's worth a look. Um, and then Matt Ryan, I think that offense is going to bounce back. He might be worth a look. I kind of like Dak Prescott, but that's a much bigger conversation. You can actually find some articles of mine on that. Ken yeah. doesn't like it. Nice plug. No, that's no, that's good. I mean, but <laughs> Look at all these names. There's so many names you can drop and get excited about. Uh, yep. It's You don't have to get the top-tier name to have a good fantasy team. So it's important that you know that, even though we're talking about our top ones here today. So, uh, guys, great show. Uh, we're talking about those quarterbacks. So thank you very much for all that wonderful insight. Talked a lot about some injury news here today as well. And I thought it went pretty well. How do you guys feel about it? I mean, we learned the difference between boats and goats, so that's... Kind of a win for it's everybody. True. I think you got to go ahead Hard and get a, analysis. get a copyright on, on that the right or a trademark <laughs> or something. You need to own that because that's going to get we'll wildly the, popular. We'll put it on the red you shirts and you t-shirts. Only. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys. That was a really awesome show. Thank you to all the listeners once again. Please go out to iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you can. Leave us a review. We really appreciate the criticism and feedback. Uh, everything is awesome. And also, thank you for the praises that you guys have left us. We do really appreciate those reviews. You can reach out to us on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod. I am at Kent Wyrock. And guys, want to shout out your Twitter handles real quick? Yeah, Matt Okada at Fantasy Sensei. And I'm Matthew Betts. You guys can find me on Twitter at the Fantasy PT. And then, of course, we also have Jen Smith, who is at the only Jen Smith. Because she's the only Jen Smith you need to know. So, I thought I'd throw her tagline out there for her. But let's go ahead and throw a wrap on this one. Go get those quarterbacks. The NFL regular season is coming soon. Get excited. We're excited. And once again, we are the Red Shirts. Red Shirts.